ministry is tough under most circumstances, but ministry has its dangers as well as any other position may. Today, we, are, we discuss Acts chapter 14 verses 1 through 28 as we describe four ministerial dangers and how to avoid them. So join us today on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to look at four ministerial dangers that face us in the world today, Uh, and we're going to do this a little bit differently than we have in the past. Normally, I would have you stand to read the passage of Scripture, but we're going to look at a pretty lengthy passage of Scripture today, and what we're going to do is I'm going to provide you the points as we move through this text together. We're going to look at four ministerial dangers, so let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer as we begin. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. And we would just simply ask, Lord, that during this time we have together to study your word, that you would just allow us to speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it is in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen and amen. You know, in ministry, uh, we all find uh, dangers in ministry. We all find things that happen that we don't anticipate and we don't expect. Such was the case with Lifeway President Tom Rainer. Tom Rainer tells this true story how he was preaching at a small church. And even though the church was small, it was packed. Uh, The congregation was packed uh, and the choir sat behind him as he preached. And one day, you know, he didn't have really the best material uh, to wear on that particular Sunday. And he was really making a point and really making it hard when he leaned over and just really gave the point and heard the loudest ripping sound you ever heard in your life. The seat of his pants had ripped a foot long. And it was so bad that the rip actually went down past his coattail. And he tried to pull it all together, Francis. He really did. He tried to pull it all together But there were two things that worked against him that day. 
One was his five-year-old son who was laughing hysterically and would not quit. And the second, he was told that there were ladies in the choir sitting behind him that were covering their eyes when they saw the rip in front of them. And so uh, he, he said, he said, I don't recall how I ended the sermon or the service, but I do recall feeling cool winds in new places. So you never know what you're going to encounter in ministry. And as we talk about Paul in the conclusion of his first missionary journey, uh, in, the, in the upcoming weeks we're going to talk about the second and third missionary journeys that Paul had. But as we look through this, we see four ministerial dangers, and they all start with the P for simplicity's sake, four ministerial dangers that we find in life, in ministry, and as we try to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I would direct your attention, first of all, to the first ministerial danger found in verses 1 through 7. This happens in an an area called Iconium, which is southwest of Antioch of Pisidia. Antioch of Syria is the place which sent the church out, which sent Paul and Barnabas out. Antioch of Pisidia is this area where he was ministering. We first of all see the ministerial danger of poisoning. The ministerial danger of poisoning. Let's read these verses together. Now it happened in Iconium that they went out together in the synagogue of the Jews. As we've mentioned before, the regular standard protocol was them when they went to a location, they would go to the synagogue in the most populated area and use that as a home base to preach the gospel and move from the more populated areas to the more rural areas. And notice what happens here. As he went to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. There were a great number of people who came to faith because of their ministry. And praise the Lord for that. But understand, when the Holy Spirit starts working, the devil's around the corner. Amen? The devil's going to try to get a foothold any way he can. But a number of unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and underlined that word, poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. Now, notice that. Let me just pause right there. Let me first of all explain what this is. The word koo is the Greek term used here. It means poisoning. And ladies, those of you who are in high school, those of you who have been in high school, you know what I'm talking about. You know this happens. It happens. It may have even happened at work. Say there are three ladies, Alice, Barbara, and Connie, ABC, is what we want to use there. Alice, Barbara, and Connie. And Alice has a good friend named Barbara, but Barbara's real good friends with Connie, and Alice doesn't like Connie. You know, have you ever experienced this? So Alice will tell Barbara all kind of lies against Connie to poison her mind against Connie. Anyone ever experienced that before? Can I get an amen? (laughs) And this is what happens so many times. And this is what Paul and Barnabas were experiencing. The, The unbelieving people of the time, the unbelieving people of the area were poisoning the minds of the populace against Paul and Barnabas. Now, here's the key. Here's the question. What do you do when people talk bad about you? Anybody ever had someone talk bad about you? Can I get a lift of hands here? Anybody ever had someone talk bad about you? What do you throw up your hands and give up when people talk bad about you? 
What did Paul and Barnabas do? Look at verse 3. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, part sided with the apostles. But when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and went to Lystra and Derb, cities of Laconia and the surrounding region. Here's the point I'm trying to make. A lot of times when people talk bad about us, we want to throw our hands up and quit, don't we? We want to say, well, we must not be having an impact, so I'm going to just throw up my hands and I'm not going to keep doing what the Lord's called me to do. But what did Paul and Barnabas do? They preached and they preached with boldness. Amen? A lot of you may be going through circumstances where maybe someone's talking bad about you. Maybe you've been a victim of this poisoning mentality. But understand, the solution to this problem is to stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did not alter their message, but rather they continued to preach the same message they always had. And guess what? The message worked. You know, I'm really concerned about our modern American church. I read just this past week an article from Crosswalk.com, which is normally a good uh, site to, to read. It's normally a great site. But I read this article from one of the contributing editors of Crosswalk.com who suggested that the church get rid of ten things. And you know what one of the things was they suggested to get rid of? The sermon. <laughs> you know what they suggested to do? Get a bunch of tables and have people sitting around tables talking about what they think the Bible says rather than what the Bible actually says. And I thought, I actually wrote this. I said, so I suppose Jesus was wrong when he preached to the masses. I suppose the apostles were wrong when they preached to the masses. I suppose 2,000 years of church leadership has been wrong because we as modern people are more civilized than 2,000 years of the church. Heaven help us. Heaven help us. This is the problem. You see, we want to be politically correct. Amen, Caleb? <laughs> Not you. But so many people want to be politically correct because we're afraid of offending anyone. Amen? But I want to tell you something. The Bible tells, that the Bible states quite explicitly that the gospel is offensive. Amen? It's offensive to those who don't believe. So why don't we as a church stop worrying about being politically correct and start worrying about being Christ correct? Correct in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Correct in following Him. Because I've said before and I'll say it again. I'd rather the world hate me and be on the good side of God than be on the bad side of God and get man's approval. Amen? Amen? If we as a church want to see a revival, if we as a church want to see great things happening, we cannot, and I mean cannot, forsake the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the moment we do, we have ceased being the church. And God's going to have no part in that, amen? So if, if po people poisoning others' minds about you uh, because you're standing faithful to Christ, let them poison the minds altogether all they want to because if you're on the good side of Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. Amen? Because Romans 8.31 still holds true that if God is for us, then there's not a single person on this earth in heaven or in hell below that can be against you. If God is on your side and you're standing true to the convictions of Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. Amen? If God's on your side, that's the most important thing. So don't succumb to political correctness. Don't succumb trying to uh, appease everyone. You be focused on Christ and never forsake the gospel message. 
Then secondly, we see another ministerial danger. And folks, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is the ministerial danger of pride. Look what happens when they go to Lystra. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Let's just take a listen here. Verse 8, And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And when he leaped and walked, he leaped and walked. God had done a miracle through Paul. The gospel of Christ was just powerful in this area. And Christ had healed this man through Paul. Stand straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. And when the people saw that Paul had done what they had done, look what they said. Look what happens here. They raised their voices, saying in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And look what they start calling. Barnabas is apparently a good-statured man because, look, they compare him in verse 12 to Zeus, the chief of the Greek gods. And they compare uh, Paul to Hermes, the, uh, the herald, the, the speaking God, the one who preaches, the one who teaches. And then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Now just think of this. If Paul and Barnabas had went along with this, they could have had anything they wanted. They would, have, they would have been worshipped as if they were gods. They could have had all the money they could ever want. They could have all the supplies they ever needed. They would never have to worry. They'd have all the power they wanted. They'd have everything in a bag of chips. But what did they do? Now, I'm telling you, this is a problem. For, this is a, problem. a lot of times we want to elevate ourselves to the place of Christ. We want to elevate ourselves to the place of God. This is, this is a temptation that we often have in ministry and in life. But look what they did in verse 14. Do you remember the wrestler back in the 80s, this wrestler named Hulk Hogan? You remember him? You remember he'd get up there and he'd rip that shirt and go and doing this number? They did the same. They pulled a Hulk Hogan here in verse 14. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things in them, who by bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave uh, us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing them. So they still wanted to sacrifice to them because of this miracle that God had done. But here's the solution. When we are tempted to place ourselves on a higher pedestal than we ought, we need to focus on the God who gave us life. We must focus on Christ because I'm going to tell you that we as Christians, we should be the most humble people in the world. Amen? We should be the most humble people of the world because if we are focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, we realize that the only way that any of us are saved is because God loved us so much that He was willing to give His own life so that you and I would have life to Him. That's not something to brag about ourselves about. That's something to brag about Christ. Amen? That's something to brag about Christ. So if there's any boasting in us whatsoever, let us boast in Christ. Let us boast in God. Let us not put ourselves on these pedestals. 
And I'm, I'm so afraid that in many times, that many times we, we see this in our society. We see individuals who elevate a certain leader to this godlike status. But beloved, I tell you, that's a dangerous thing. Because there's only one person and one person alone who deserves your worship. And can I give you a hint? It's not Brian Chilton. Amen, Bob? <laughs> it's not Brian Chilton. The only one who deserves your worship and deserves your praise is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and no one else. So the danger of pride is evident to us all. We may, we, may have, uh, uh, we may be tempted to place ourselves or to place someone else on this pedestal, but let us understand and realize to solve this problem, there's only one person and one person alone who deserves our adoration and praise, and that's the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's look at verses 19 and 20, and we see our third ministerial danger. We see the ministerial danger of pride, the ministerial danger of poisoning, but we also see the ministerial danger of pity. Anyone ever had a pity party? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Please don't tell me I'm the only one here again. Anyone ever had something bad happen to you and you think, Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm, I, I'm just, this, this thing is awful. I'm the only one who's ever gone through this thing. Lord, why do you hate me so bad? You're punishing me for, oh, I don't know what. I mean, you just, why are you doing this to me? Anybody ever been there? Well, have you ever been stoned? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask back there. <laughs> now, some people may have wanted to stone us, but now I'm talking about literally stoned. Look at verses 19 and 20. Then the Jews from Antioch, this is a Pisidia, and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. Now, remember we talked about in our series of heaven about this experience that Paul had, where he saw the third heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? This is most likely the time when this happened. Look what happens. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Everyone around there looked at Paul. They stoned him so severely. They beat him up so badly that they thought the man was dead. That, I mean, he had blood gushing out of everywhere. They picked up stones. They just went at him hard and heavy. And, they, and when they thought they had killed him, they drug his body out of the city. However, when the disciples gathered around, verse 20, what did he do? Did he say, oh, guys, you're not going to believe me. Those people were mean to me. I mean, they just stoned me. What in the world's wrong with them? Did he do that? What did he say he did? He rose up, and then what did he do? What was that? Went back to the city. Now, either that, Paul is either that compassionate or he's that stupid. I don't know. <laughs> you know. He goes back to the very city that they stoned him. And what did he do? He keeps preaching the gospel. And what did he do after that? He got up, he goes with Barnabas, and they go to Derb. Did that stop him from preaching the gospel? Absolutely not. Now, beloved, understand, we all go through hardships. We all go through uh, situations, bad situations. And I'm not trying to belittle that in the least bit because I myself, I myself have gotten several times to the point where I think, you know, Lord, can I just throw up my hands and give up? Can I just throw up my hands and, and just quit this business of the gospel ministry? Can I just do that? But, when, but then God has a way of shaking me out of that pity party and say, Hey, Brian, I called you. Listen. You just obey me and don't worry about anything else. Amen? 
And I guarantee you that you may go through your own pity parties in life, but listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this, Five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jewish authorities. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received the stoning, the very one we mentioned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea on frequent journeys. I faced dangers from the rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, the country, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toiled in hardship, many sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. There's the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn uh, with indignation? If boasting is necessary, I will boast in my weaknesses. He's going to boast in his weaknesses. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. And then notice he says in verses 9 and 10, Therefore I will gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses. Why would you boast about your weaknesses? That's what Paul's saying. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may reside in me, so I take pleasure in weaknesses and insults. He takes pleasure when people insult him. Has he lost his mind? How many of you love being insulted? Anybody? I don't like being insulted. I don't think anybody does. But he's going to take pleasure in this, in hardships and persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. Why is he doing that? Because he says, when I am weak, then Christ is strong. Amen? I want to tell you something, beloved. I've met some individuals that have absolutely uh, just amazed me because the power of Christ working in and through them. And we have one person here today. She's probably going to beat me afterwards for even saying this. But there was one lady I knew by the name of Gaynell Poindexter. She had all kind of physical problems. But yet she drove 45 minutes one way. 45 minutes one way. Even though she had diabetes and all these other things. To see her husband Floyd when he was in the nursing home dying at Bermuda Commons. She lived in East Bend. Drove all the way down by herself down to Bermuda Commons. After he died, she, a lot of the physical issues caught up with her. And I said, Gay, now how did you do it? She said, only by the power of Christ. We have another person in our midst today that's had physical issues, and that's Lynn Miller. And, and her husband, Nolan, you know the story. Bless his heart. He's gone through a lot of, lot of trials and tribulations. Both of them have. But when I look at Lynn and I see the power of God that God has given her to help her husband, I am absolutely amazed. Amen? Because while she may feel weak, guess what? Amen, Lynn? The power of Christ is flowing through her. Amen, Lynn? The power of Christ is flowing through Nolan, even though he's gone through all the difficulties. Bless his heart, all the difficulties that he has. When he is weak, Christ's power is flowing strongest. Amen? I want to tell you, I've learned this myself. Whenever I'm at my weakest moments, I feel the presence of God stronger than I do in any other point in time. So understand, let's boast in our weaknesses. If you're insulted for the case of the gospel, praise God for that because you know what that means? You're doing something right. 
If you're not doing something right, then the devil's not going to bother you. But as long as you're standing for Christ and the gospel message, then let the opposer say what they will. Because if you're doing the work for Christ, you're exactly where you need to be doing what you need to do. Last but certainly not least, we have the ministerial danger not only of pity, not only of pride, and not only of... uh, I forgot the first one. What was the first one? Poison again, thank you. (laughs) Got caught up in that one. I missed the first one. But we finally see the ministerial danger of privacy. Now, Paul and Barnabas could have remained quiet. Okay? They've gone through a lot of hardships. And a lot of times when we suffer certain things, we want to keep it to ourselves. We bottle it up, don't we? Anybody else done this? We bottle it up. We don't want anybody else to know about it, and we just try to stick it down as far as we can. But I'm going to tell you, that's the most unhealthy thing any of us can do. Amen? When we have something good happening to us, God blesses us in a certain way. God blesses us. We want to keep it quiet because we think, well, people are going to think I'm boasting. I praise God for the missions trip that just took place, and I pray that they go a hundred more times. Amen? Because they're making a difference in Gary, West Virginia. And that boasting was not on themselves. That boasting was done in the Lord and what God is leading them to do. Praise God for that. But understand, we, a lot of times we try to remain quiet about these things. But understand something. If God is doing something in your life, we need to share it. Now, Steve Furno and Melissa Furno know that I took a picture of myself yesterday in a big old cat head with a cheese head on top of it. Some of you, some others may have seen this. In fact, Rhonda even said, you need to wear that to church some Sunday. And I don't know, I may be stoned if I did that. <laughs> I may be stoned if I did that. But I don't know. But anyhow, um, but look what happens in these verses. When they had preached the gospel to the city and made disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Syria, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So he doesn't doesn't hold back the persecutions. He doesn't hold back the bad times. He shares it with the church. He shares it with individuals so that he is strengthened and God is glorified. And when they had appointed elders in every church, they didn't try to do everything by themselves. He appointed elders in every church, prayed with fasting. How many Baptists fast? Not many. Prayed with fasting. Uh, They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, then when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Adalia. From there they sailed to Antioch of Syria, where they had been commended by the grace of God for the work which they had done. When they had come and gathered the church together, notice they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Two things I want to quickly mention. I know time is slipping by us. First thing is don't try to think you can do everything by yourself. Amen? Jennifer's dad used to have a saying, saying one monkey don't stop no show. And that's so true, isn't it? You know, A lot of times we want to think that we have to do everything. But I tell you what's going to happen. We're going to burn ourselves out. And that's not the most efficient, effective way. Amen? The most efficient, effective, biblical way is to disciple other people. That means training them up in the ways of the Lord. Not trying. In fact, I had a professor at Liberty say that the difference between cultic uh, philosophy and the genuine, Christianity, genuine Christian philosophy is that cultic philosophy tries to make other people like ourselves. Genuine Christianity tries to make people like Christ. Amen? 
Grow people up in the Lord. Train them up in the Lord. Disciple individuals, making them like Christ. So look what Paul and Barnabas did. They trained them so that they would have other leaders who would bring forth the gospel. They didn't try to make it a one-man show. They incorporated the gifts and abilities of everybody there, training up pastors, training up leaders, bringing up the next generation of Christians. And secondly, the danger of privacy is experienced when we hold everything in and we refuse to share. Folks, some of you may be going through some very difficult hardships. I don't know what everyone's going through today. But maybe you just simply need to take time and talk with somebody you trust. Pour your heart out. Pour your heart out to God. But find a person you trust, you genuinely trust, whom you know will be faithful and secretive in the things that you tell them. And share your heart with that individual. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more healing, I don't believe, than the confession of the soul. There's nothing more healing than to find a person that you trust, a good Christian companion, sharing your heart about the trials and tribulations you're going through, sharing the good times and the bad times. There's something very therapeutic about that. Beloved, and understand this, you, no matter what you're going through in this life, you're never going through it alone, amen? You know, one of the lies the devil is going to try to tell you is that you're the only person who's ever gone through the things you have. That's just certainly not true. There are other people, you may not even realize it, there are other people who may be suffering exactly the way you are with a trial and trouble or tribulation. And if you just pour out your heart and you begin to, to, to reach out to individuals, you'll see that there are other people out there and you can, provide, you can get strength from them and they may be able to get strength from you. Let me close with this. We've looked at four ministerial dangers and ways to resolve them. I go back to our Bible study this past Wednesday night, and Frances was telling me about a story she heard this past week about on I-696, I believe it was, in Detroit, Michigan, there was this guy who was threatening to take his life, to commit suicide, jumping off a bridge. And the local police officers had asked the truck drivers going down this interstate if they would just park underneath the bridge so that if this man jumped... That, uh, that he would be okay, that he wouldn't be killed. He may be hurt a little bit, but he wouldn't be killed. So they all lined up, and what a powerful display this was. After Francis told me about this, I had to go look it up. Not that I didn't believe her, even though those are beads that she's wearing. <laughs> Inside joke. We'll have to ask her about that later. But anyhow, um, but, but I went back and checked it out, and sure enough, four or five lanes on either side, all these trucks lined up underneath that bridge, providing a safety net for that individual should if something happen and he fall from that bridge, he would have the safety of those trucks to land upon and not be killed. Beloved, I want to tell you that all these dangers we've talked about today, they can be avoided because the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again Christian today, you have the power of God living and abiding in your life. Because God says that through the Holy Spirit that He will abide with you and you will abide with Him. So you have the... You have a friend who is closer than a brother, a friend who is closer than anyone could ever be in the power of the Holy Spirit. So no matter what you're going through today, trust upon Him. Lean upon Him. And I've made this mistake before. I'm preaching from experience here. Don't think you can do it all by yourself. Because you can't. Amen? Because through our weaknesses, Christ's power is seen most evident. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please just come down and today receive Him? You may not have another opportunity to make things right with Him today.
why don't you come down and receive him before it's eternally too late? Or maybe you have a burden in your life. Maybe you just want to lay before the foot of the cross. Maybe you want to just pour your heart out to Christ. And you want to just lay whatever that burden may be and give it over to the Lord. We encourage you to do that. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do and all that you continue to do. But we thank you that you are a friend who sticks closer to the road. We thank you that we don't have to walk this life alone with you. We praise you for salvation the views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. is God? What is He like? How can we know? The answers you give to these questions will have a tremendous impact on your worship, discipleship, apologetics, and evangelism. Faulty ideas about God are permeating both the church and the culture. It's time to get back to the basics of understanding the existence and nature of the God who is. Marking the 25th year of this annual event, Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics returns to Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina with an all-star lineup of some of the finest Christian minds in the world to explore this incredibly important topic. Join us October 12-13, 2018 at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the 65 speakers at the event include Ravi Zacharias of RZIM, Josh McDowell of Josh McDowell Ministries, Chip Ingram of Living on the Edge, Gary Habermas of Liberty University, Natasha Crane, Richard Land, and many, many more. Ticket prices before August 1st are $75 for adults, $45 for students. After August 1st, the tickets go up to $85 for adults, $55 for regular price. Save an extra 5% per ticket when you register by May 1st. Group, homeschool, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Call for details by dialing 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Once again, that's 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Or go to conference.ses.edu.
25th anniversary of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics will be October 12th and 13th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope to see you there. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. Because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision, make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. That vision of training champions for Christ to change the world is the foundation of Liberty University. It always has been, and it always will be. Everything we are today is built upon it. But while our vision hasn't changed since 1971, the world around us has. Fewer and fewer people understand what we mean when we say train champions for Christ. So we show them. We show them what authentic faith in Christ looks like through the lens of academics, athletics, through the way we have fun and the way we serve one another and the world. We show them that we the faithful, the bold, the united, and the brave are also we the creators, the innovators, the entrepreneurs, and the leaders. We the champions are committed to tackling the issues of our time with integrity and prayer. Our vision hasn't changed. It is strengthened, broadened, expanded. It has grown into over 550 programs of study, reaching into over 80 countries, uniting over 100,000 students into a beautifully diverse family with a singular vision. We the champions, in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, ignite a passion for wisdom, 
challenge perspectives, inspire creativity, and pursue knowledge. Do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's calling wherever it may be. Find out more about Liberty University by visiting liberty.edu.